0: And we'll get into the Word. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the anointing that's here in this place, for the hungry, hungry hearts that the people have. It's such a pleasure to minister the Word of God in this place to people who appreciate it. And I ask you to speak to them again today, uh, that you would speak through me and think through me and give me utterance in the Holy Ghost, that questions would be answered, that needs would be met, and lives would be changed by the preaching of the Word and the miracle of ministry. And we... Give you all the praise, glory, and honor for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You can be seated. Amen. And um, I want to, boy, I'll, I'll just give you a couple things. Um, if you're looking for more material, and here we have talked a lot about faith, go to my website. There is a lot of material on this subject, and it's free. Um, I was thinking of a, a, a series that would go so well with, with this one. At the end of this today, and it's called "Saying What God Says," and it's already on uh, online, and you can get it in MP3 format, download it, or you can stream it instantly. We've put those all on Vimeo, and you can go get a link and stream that, and uh, you can get that whole series on "Saying What God Says." And then next time I come back, I'll preach it, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You, you'll be right there with me. But that's free. That is a free download. It's free streaming, and um, and there are other other faith uh, series that are free like that as well. But it will really feed your faith. You know, when when somebody teaches the Bible, I, I really have to, I have to watch it. You, you know, you're not. I'm not here to try to overwhelm you with um, performance or with my ability to put words together, <laughs> you know. I did a message when I first started traveling. I was 25 years old, and um, I was going to start creating cassettes. And if you don't know what a cassette is, <laughs> then you can Google that. They they were a thing. <laughs> and and I was going to make this cassette so I could sell it in my meetings. So I took it home, and I thought it was a good message, and I listened to it. And the more I listened, the more depressed I got. (laughs) I was so... I I thought, this is horrible. And I threw it away. I wasn't going to use it. And, And here I'm 25 years old. And I said, God... Please let me go to college. I can't even speak correctly. I don't have good grammar. I don't have an education. I'm not eloquent. I need to go back to college. It's not too late. I'm just 25 and I'm not married. I can go get my four years of college and maybe I can make sense and, and speak properly. And I was really pouring out my heart to God and he gave me a word. <laughs> it's in Acts and I don't know where it is because I never forgot it he said it when they when they realized that uh, the disciples were ignorant and unlearned men they took knowledge of them that they'd been with Jesus Come on. <laughs> i thought oh so i'm ignorant and unlearned i figured that out by listening so and then the lord spoke to me and said if i wanted you to go to college i would have sent you to college and he said i do send some people to college and I get glory out of the fact that they went to college. Other people, I tell them, don't go to college, and I get glory out of the fact that they didn't go to college. And he said, "For you, I don't want you to go to college." And so uh, I never, um, from that time on, I never fought him to try to go back to school and get an education. I did have one one dear woman. Um, she was pretty wealthy, and I was still about about 25. I just started traveling. And she brought me to the side, and she said, and she had lots of money, and she said, can I tell you something? She said, um, you preach an entire octave too high, and your voice is very unpalatable to the listeners. And she said, if you will let me, I will pay for you to get voice lessons so you can learn how to speak so that people can listen. She said, I can't listen to your cassettes because they hurt my ears (laughs) and I I told her I said I said why would I go to all that trouble when I don't even know good grammar (laughs) I mean why would you put lipstick on a pig you know (laughs) so it's amazing I made it this far with all of the disabilities but uh, thank God when you teach the word I'm not trying to overwhelm anybody what we're trying to do is get the word. We strive for simplicity. Yeah. We're trying to get the word of God in you and and do it in a way that that, that you don't lose it. You get it. And, um, and so uh, a meeting like this really needs to be followed up. I believe, now, you know, I, it's my perspective, but I believe that my material is that kind of material that that you can listen to long-term and it will make long-term changes in your life. But you're probably not going to hear a message that just like, you know, blows you out of the saddle and you're like, I can't, you know, if I were to ever preach one like that, I couldn't repeat it. And then you, there's a lot of pressure. But um, to teach the Bible has become natural for me and I, and I believe that you need to feed on the Word of God wherever you get it and, and you don't have to go to my website and, and get it but, it's, but it is designed for that go somewhere and feed on the Word of God and let the Word of God do in you what it, what it does because nothing else will do that it's just like eating natural food if you, don't, if you choose not to eat natural food nothing else will take its place you can't substitute exercise for eating. You can't substitute breathing for eating. You can't say, well, I'm just going to breathe a lot more because I'm a big breather. I don't really have time to eat, but I'm going to breathe. Well, believe me, I'm a breather. Well, you can breathe all you want, but it's never going to take the place of eating food. And and I think the church worldwide is spiritually malnourished, and they don't even know it. And their problem is not a lack of commitment or lack of strength. Their problem is they just haven't had a good spiritual diet, and they're suffering for it. Amen. So that's enough of that. All right. So uh, <clears throat> let me give you this: these three, uh, four points from, from my newest uh, message. I felt like I wanted to give you this and, and ask you this question. Are you ready? For eternity. Are you ready for eternity? We must prepare to meet our maker. And so I give four points. And I I love this because it came to me by revelation. And making a book, uh, mini book out of it that I can give to non-Christians. That's hopefully not offensive, but they'll read it. And they'll understand the logic. But there are four four, um, truths that will prepare you to meet your maker. Prepare anybody to meet God. Four truths. Number one, realize you will meet God. You're going to meet God. Now you can avoid it your whole life, but one day you're going to meet God. Number two, all have sinned. That means nobody's ready to meet God In, in their own works, by themselves, because of sin, and all have sinned. Notice how I've changed the the um, approach, and it's not repent, you filthy sinner, or you're going to go to hell. No, we're going to say it this way. In a world that's so sensitive, that's always offended over something, all have sinned. Number three, Jesus died. For our sins isn't that good before I wrote this these all these truths were swirling around and in my spirit and I couldn't make heads or tails I didn't know where to get a hold of it I wanted to make a few statements but it just didn't come together and I sat down and the Holy Spirit helped me bring this together and I believe it's going to be a New Testament track salvation track for our generation So, number one, you will meet God. Number two, all have sinned. Number three, Jesus died for our sins. And number four, you must be born again. Isn't that powerful? That message just excites me. Because I wrote it in such a way that I believe you could put it into the hands of any... Now, listen. We've got to watch our terms. I used to say any sinner. Well, did you know... Worldly people don't appreciate that. <laughs> you could put this this book into the hand of any non-believer. I'm going to call them non-believers. You see, I don't want to offend them before I get to talk to them. And that's why I don't preach politics in church. There's people from all persuasions that do come through church. They don't all believe like us. And I don't want to take a political stand and offend someone before they get to hear what I really believe and the things that I know that will change their lives. So So for for non-believers, we need to be aware of their plight and and try to give them things that that they can relate to. Amen. So anyway, that's just for you. Um, That mini book is coming out soon. And... um, Maybe when I come back here, I'll bring some because I believe it. It's just, if I could, if I could talk to a lost person, a non believer, and, and give them the best um, a- approach, the best case that I could possibly give them to get saved, that's what it would be. And I wrote it out with that in mind, thinking, I got one chance to help this person get saved, and they don't even believe in God. I'm going to write it like this is my one chance. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, So faith, we're going to talk about how to release your faith. And if you uh, want to do a study of faith or you want to know what my study of faith has consisted of, after a year of putting these things together and creating notes and preaching and teaching and series, as I meditated on the subject of faith and it is vast how many of you already this week have thought wow there's a lot in there well I've just scratched the surface of what I got in that year of compiling this information I mean I haven't I've just gone a little ways there's a lot more just that I have but of course I don't have it all But, but here's what helped me as I study a subject in the Bible especially a big one I'll start to pull truths together about that subject. If you were going to do a teaching on love or some subject like that, you could go to your concordance and uh, one thing you could do is gather all the scriptures that have the word love in them. Put them all in one place. Or healing. Get all the scriptures in the Bible on healing. But when I did faith, I compiled all the information I could get on faith in the Bible and in good books and teachings and an audio series that I listened to for all those months. I was constantly pulling facts together, and it seemed to me like the subject of faith, in order to get a handle on it, because it's not enough just to know a bunch of unconnected truths. You've got to understand, how does this work? And so I'm always looking for a way that they relate, And and the way it came to me was this. If you will answer these three questions about faith, you'll have a working knowledge of Bible faith. Number one, how faith comes. How does faith come? Mm -hmm. And and there's, there's a lot to that. We've been hitting on some of those points. But answer the question, how does faith come? Number two, what faith is. What is faith? And, and begin to define it and understand what it is. And then in number three, how to release your faith. How to release your faith. And so all of my teaching on faith is connected by those three questions. How faith comes, what faith is, and how to release your faith. And I even taught it out in that order. So the... The, the, the God Likes Faith series is the introduction of why faith is important and how faith comes. There's another series that goes along with it, but God Likes Faith is the beginning of how faith comes. And then I have another series called Understanding Faith, and that's what faith is. What faith is. And then, then I've got two more series on how to release your faith which i have titled uh, the key to answered prayer and saying what god says and so those those cover these three points and um uh, and will we'll give you a working knowledge of what faith is the thing about faith it's kind of like exercise we can study it all day long but eventually you're just going to have to do it <laughs> i've gone to the gym before and these trainers are in there and would you want to schedule a training program? And I always say the same thing. If I could find a way to pay you to exercise for me, yes, I would do it. But no matter how much I pay you, i still got to do the work. And that's what I'm trying to avoid. So no, I'm not paying you. I'm just going to go punish myself, and I'll do it for free. Huh? Faith is that way. You you can learn all about it, but eventually you're going to have to go walk by faith and exercise your own faith in your own life, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. God wants you to be participating in this process. He, uh, you know, pe- some people don't like the subject of faith because it involves personal responsibility. I mean, the minute you say, uh, You have what you believe for in the kingdom of God, and then some people get, you know, offended. They don't like that. They'd rather just say, well, you just never know what God's going to do. I mean, some people have more and some have less, and it's just, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. (laughs) They don't know, they don't want any personal responsibility, but think about it this way. If you had a child... And, and, and you wanted the best for your child. I mean, you want to protect that child. You want that child to grow up and not be uh, hurt, bruised, scarred, offended. You don't want them to ever fall or trip or be hurt by anybody. And, and you put them in a corner and said, now, look, Junior, you just stay there. Daddy's going to get everything you need. I'm going to get your food and your clothes. I don't want you to hurt yourself. This is a big, bad world. And there are people out there that that will hurt you. There's experiences. I mean, look at this scar. Uh, This happened when I left the corner and life hurt me. I want you to stay there. I don't want you to hurt. Uh, That would be crippling. We don't do that to our children. We do the opposite. We say, get up. And they don't want to get up because they'd rather you carry them. (laughs) Say, come on, get up. You can do it. And, and you know what's going to happen the first time they try to walk? <laughs> they are going to fall. Why would anybody do that to their little baby? They're not going to walk the first time they try it. And yet you say, come on, try it again. I'll catch you. Let's do it again. And it's, it's growth. It's participation. God wants that in the area of faith. This is why, and I'm going to throw this out here. This is why. There are Christians who, who now, now, now when a baby's a baby, you leave them in the crib. You don't try to make them a newborn go out and function. But you don't leave them in the crib for 20 years either. You know, at some point, you got to get out of the crib there, Junior. This is why that if you, maybe you've had this experience in the, in the church, there are people who get born again. They're on fire for God. God heals them. He blesses them. He changes their life. Every time they pray, they get an answer. If somebody lays hands on they get healed, and they serve God, and they live for God for years and years and years, and they get to a place where they never get healed anymore. That seems like their prayers don't work anymore, and they can't get anybody. And these people will go from evangelist to evangelist to evangelist to get somebody to bless them and heal them. And it seems like it's not working anymore. What happened? They grew up. When you're in the spiritual crib, God will spoon feed you and give you the bottle and tickle your little tummy. And he'll do everything for you. But as you grow, you have to begin to do some things. And God expects us to walk in the light that we have. Just like a natural child, you know, we, <laughs> there, are some, there are some big babies in the church, and they're 30 years old in the Lord, and they're still trying to stay in that crib and suck their thumb, and they want pastor and evangelist to just deliver the miracle, Could you just bring it I'm, I mean I don't want to go get it. Just bring it by the crib when you're around, would you please? I need my miracle. So there comes a time when we've got to, be, we we need we need to grow in this area of faith, and we need to take steps and do it in, in ourselves, and 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 it's it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing, because God wants you to be to be uh, individually dependent on Him. Amen. The kingdom is about getting people on their feet, yeah. and and a real mature Christian God's will for every Christian is that they grow and they don't have to depend on someone else to give them a word or someone else to give them an anointing or someone else to give them a revelation or to tell them what God wants them to do God wants us to get to the point where we, well, we go directly to him and get direction from him and when we have a need we're able to believe the Bible for ourselves Amen. that's real spiritual growth that's God's desire for you. Now, some ministries work against this. Can I just say this? I, I don't talk about preachers that much. I am one. And we've got a hard job, believe me. we got a lot of opposition out there that you can't even see. <laughs> you, you know, I used to give this illustration. Uh, do, you, do you remember Emmett Smith from the Dallas Cowboys? Do you keep up with American football at all the only, no. o- only you. well in the NFL, a really, really good running back, if he's really good, will gain a hundred yards in one game and and uh, and that's I mean that's Hall of Fame level running can run a hundred yards. Well, if you leave all that out of it and say, how many of you could run a hundred yards? In a Sunday afternoon, how many of you could do? How, how much is a hundred yards? Like so 100 h- about a hundred meters. 80 meters. So eighty meters? How many of you could run a eighty meters in a Sunday afternoon? Yeah. Well, yeah. under those conditions, you might could be an NFL running back. No. <laughs> we we understand how they can run a eighty meters on a Sunday because we see. The opposition, we see the other players. We know what they have to go through to do it. Preachers have the same kind of opposition, but you can't see it. So people go, that old preacher, all he does is work one hour a week. I could do that. All he does is uh, preach one time a week. I mean, that's the easiest job in town. What does he even get paid for anyway? That's like saying an NFL running back only runs 100 yards in one week. I could do that. No, you don't know what he has to face to get that done. So, so I, I have a heart for, for preachers of all kinds. But, but I'll tell you something. In the ministry, we should be trying to help people to depend on God, not on us. People will naturally try to depend on you if you let them. And so there are people that take advantage of that, and they don't want you to grow up. They want you to wait for them to give you their anointing oil and their cloth from Israel and and their blessing and their, their, you know, a a special word from heaven that you can't get anywhere else. If somebody's telling you they got a word that you're not going to get anywhere else, you probably don't want that one because it's probably not in the Bible if it's never been said before. So we need to be aware of that as Christians and say, look, I want to be independent, not dependent. I want to grow up. And in fact, we're supposed to grow up and make room for new babies. Real, real babies that would come in and we can help raise them. And then they grow up and make room for more babies. I appreciate your pastor who... Preaches and teaches the word of God. This is the kind. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. God wants you to receive the word of God and grow mature. Make progress. And as you make progress, you can do more for yourself. You don't have to have somebody tell you what God said. You can hear him for yourself. You don't have to find out what God's will is in your life. You can find that out for yourself. You don't have to have somebody pray that God would heal you. You could get healing for yourself, and you can pray for other people to be healed. You see the difference? And we become producers. We become fruitful. We become ministers. There's a flow, of course, of God's blessing going in our lives, but God's ultimate for you is that there be a flow of blessing coming out of you. In the form of anointing and wisdom and knowledge and love and healing and money and everything else that God puts in you, he wants you to overflow and, and have that come back out. And so that we don't ever see ourselves as victims, but we see ourselves as part of the answer. I'm working with God to make this world a better place. Not going to use this whole time on earth consuming things and begging for things and waiting for other people to do something. My future's not dependent on someone else. Boy, the, if you've been where I've been, you start depending on somebody and God will remove them. He'll just take them somewhere else and you'll have to start over. I've had some of my biggest givers to my ministry stop giving. That hurts. You say, well, what happened? God gave me another one. He he brought it in another way so that I don't get my eyes on this one or this one, but you keep your eyes on God. God wants you to be dependent on him. How to release your faith. Number one, find a promise from God's word. And we haven't talked about this a whole lot. This is how faith comes. Comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but this is the key to receiving by faith. You have got to have a word from God. You can't just pray up anything, dream up anything, make up anything, and and then have God to bless it. His word. His. It, in other words, it has to initiate from Him at some point. It may be your your um, your dream and your vision, but it better have come from Him. It, 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 if you don't have a promise from God, if you don't have a word from God that you can go back to, point to and relate to, stand on, it's like trying to have a harvest without a seed. So you can go through all the process of of sowing and reaping, but if you don't have a seed, it's not going to work. And you know, there's no farmer in the world that really understands how a seed works. He just knows if I don't get that seed in the ground, I'm not going to get anything. No matter how good a farmer he is, no matter how fertilized the ground is, no matter how much you water it, if you don't have the seed, you're not going to have a harvest. You're not going to have a result. God's word is the seed. It's even called that. The seed of God's word. We're born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And so for faith to work, for it to truly be faith, you've got to have that seed in the beginning. You've got to be built on the word of God. And and the word of God produces after itself. So if you need forgiveness, you need a forgiveness word. Because that's what's going to produce a forgiveness crop. You know, the Baptists, uh, I, I kid about them all the time, but they, they have taught the world how to be born again. The Baptists have really taken that on as a mission to get everybody born again and preach John 3, 16. And thank God for that. We, we, if we've got to be born again. But, but if that's all you ever get, you're not going to expand into other areas. That's like planting one kind of seed, like green beans. And if all you ever plant is green beans, all you're ever going to get is green beans. Now, I like green beans, but I like corn too. Yeah. Right. Cool. And the mistake they make, bless their hearts, they make this so easy. The mistake they make, they say, well, healing's been done away with, and miracles have been done away with, and tongues is not for today. And they, they dismiss all these other areas of, of blessed prosperity just greed. They, they dismiss it because they never see it in their church. <laughs> I mean, they love God. And then you think, well, if, uh, if God was going to do that, he'd surely be doing it here. So it's not happening here. People get saved here. And, and, and since he's not doing it here, it must not be, he, he's just not doing that anymore. That's just like saying green beans is for today. Corn and tomatoes have passed away. <laughs> well, how can you say that? Because I have a garden. I've had a garden for years. It's the best garden in town. It's got 15 rows of the most beautiful green beans you've ever seen in your life. But it's all it has, green beans. If God was doing corn and tomatoes, surely they'd be in our garden. Not if you don't plant them. You've got to have a seed or you're not going to have a harvest. So if you take the word of God out of the process, you might have something that looks like faith and it sounds like faith, but it's not faith. Because faith has to be built on a word from God. It's got, you have to have a promise from God. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, my sister, she probably would, wouldn't want me to tell this, but when we were little, we, uh, we did a garden. First time we'd ever done a garden in our backyard, we tilled the soil and planted the seeds, and we had different rows of. I think we had we had okra, we had uh, some squash, and some green beans, and some corn, and some tomatoes in this garden. And my sister, she's catching on. She's going, "This is cool. We plant corn. We got corn. We plant green beans. We got green beans." She she just the the, the concept of sowing and reaping just dawned on her. And she starts making plans, and she says, "Mom, next year, we next year, I want to plant some fried chicken, and and some bubble gum, in that garden. Because I know how this thing works. We're going to get fried chicken and bubble gum out of there next year, and everybody's going to be happy." Do I have to tell you how important a seed is? Nothing takes the place of the seed. So you can act like you're doing the work. You could go back there and plant some bubble gum. You actually could plant it and water it and fertilize it and take good care of it, but it will never produce. That's why some people's faith is not producing. It's not built on a word from God. That's where the miracle of life is. That's where that thing can germinate. I don't even know how that happens. Do you? (laughs) You know, it's the most interesting thing in the world that God did not supply the world with unlimited amounts of food in warehouses. What he did was supply the world with seeds. What does that do? When God, supplied, he, when God designed this concept, he decided, I'm going to put it in the hands of the people how much they want of this. Wow. Now, these seeds will last for decades. They found seeds that are thousands of years old, and they still worked. So the seeds will last. He'll seed the earth. He'll put seed in the earth for, for mankind, And then it's up to every individual to decide what they plant and how much they plant and how much they get back. And that's how we get our produce. Keeps it fresh. I I don't really want to eat a 200-year-old grape. Do you? I'm glad that we can produce new ones with seeds. So so, the, so God decided to seed the world with all the vegetables and all the plants. And, and every year, the seeds produce more seed. The fruit produces more seeds. But it's up to us to take those seeds and, and to plant those seeds if we want a, a harvest. But without the seed, you, you, you don't have the most essential ingredient to producing a harvest with, without the seed. Can I just tell you, God seated the world with His Word. He didn't. You you know how you get salvation. He done that. We don't have boxcars full and warehouses full of salvation. If we did, when I got on that plane and they lost my luggage, I would have had no salvation to bring you. It would have been going back home. In my luggage. I didn't have to bring salvation. I don't have to bring the gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't have to bring healing. All I've got to do is bring a word. Because the word of God is in itself. Produces faith for that thing. In fact, I can go anywhere in the world. I can go all over the world and produce as much salvation as is necessary. Simply by carrying a word. By declaring a word. It's a divine seed, and anybody who chooses to believe that word can have what we have. I mean, think about it. Seeds don't just work for good people. (laughs) Seeds seeds don't say, now, tell me a little bit about your background. Why should I produce for you? (laughs) They don't care who you are. If you plant it, it's going to work. Anywhere I go in the world, I know the gospel of salvation is going to work. If they'll believe it, it'll work for anybody. And through that, they can have exactly what I have. Isn't that great? That's awesome. So corn and green beans did not pass away with the last apostle. It may not be sown in some places, but that's as simple as it is. It's not that God likes us better. <laughs> I know we like to think that, but no, we're we're not better than other denominations that don't believe all the supernatural. We just plant those seeds and we get that harvest. They don't and they don't, they don't get it. God's not playing favorites. It's a it's a seed. So so If you need a harvest, if you want a blessing, if you need something from God, find a promise. That is the key. If you don't have that promise, you haven't even begun yet. Let me give you a couple scriptures. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. He's going to show us how to get the word of God to work for us. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. What, what, what is his words? What he's saying is put the word in. Put the word in. you. That's how you plant that seed. You put it in. Now, uh, the, the, the New Living Translation says it like this. And I like the way he says this. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words don't lose sight of them let them penetrate deep into your heart and that right there is is, is the reason that some people don't get what they're believing for they they don't they're not pr- ready to make that faith step because the word hasn't penetrated they know it they've heard it but it hasn't really penetrated deep within their heart and so they try they they leave without planting the seed, without really allowing that to take root. Are you with me? I think some Christians pray too quickly about things, especially when you get old enough and you can do this yourself and you're standing on your own two feet spiritually. Don't, don't just rush through it. You know, there's some Christians running from meeting to meeting to just get everybody in the world to lay hands on them, hoping that one time it's going to work. That's not how seed time and harvest works. You aren't supposed to be running around like a spiritual beggar trying to find somebody that can get a blessing to you. The kingdom of God is more dignified than that. Take some time. Don't rush through it. Take some I've had people that have been prayed for a hundred times, and I'll go to the church to preach on healing, and they want to be prayed for right away. And I'll say, no, I'm not going to pray for anybody for two days. You sit and listen to what I'm going to say and let faith arise. And they get mad and leave. And if I'd have prayed for him, nothing would have happened. And they'd have left and said, he doesn't have it either. Yeah. yeah. It would have just reinforced that same negative experience that they've had over. And over. We need to stop and let the word plant get planted and let the word go down and let the word do its work. Let it penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life to those that find them and healing to their body. The living Bible says, "Listen, to, listen, son of mine. To what I say, listen carefully. Keep these thoughts ever in mind. Let them penetrate deep within your heart. I'll tell you, when the Word of God penetrates deep within your heart, you've got it. And and when you get to that point, that's faith. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. I probably won't tell this in the next service, so listen close. Don't repeat it. No, this is my experience. When I was a little boy, I told you I was in the Methodist church, and um, I got saved or met God or prayed to prayer when I was seven years old. I went to my bedroom, and I cried out to God, and I felt the peace of God and the joy of God come into my heart. And and I believe I was born again at that time. And I went back to school and started witnessing to my friends, just a seven-year-old boy, and I didn't know what to tell them. Uh, I, I was friends with a really bad kid, and I thought, man, he needs what I got. And so I'd, I'd go to school, and I'd say, Wesley, Wesley, you got to go home and pray to God. You know, go pray to God. I just went to my room, and I prayed to God. Something changed my life. You have got to go pray to God, Wesley. Promise me you're going to go home and pray. He would get in trouble every day. You know, he would be in the principal's office, whack, 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 every day. <laughs> oh, there's Wesley again. And he's my friend. And so as a seven-year-old boy in second grade or whatever, first or second grade, I, I was witness to Wesley. But that's not much of a witness. <laughs> Go home, pray to God. It'll happen. You'll see. Just pray to God. Well, uh, as I got a little older, I, I began to feel like I needed salvation more because than, 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 I didn't feel it anymore. And 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 I would pray at night, and, and there were nights when I would pray and I'd feel the joy of God. I'd feel his presence, and those are the nights that I know I'm saved, and I could go to sleep with a smile on my face. But do you know how hard it is to pray until you feel the joy of God every single day? I mean, that's a lot of work for a seven year old, it's a lot of pressure. And I just got tired of it. And then it stopped working as much. And then I started thinking, you know what? I don't even know if I'm saved. And then I went to a Baptist church. <laughs> and then this Baptist church, this Baptist evangelist, God bless him, was, and we, they should have had a, a warning over the door, like PG-13. <laughs> it, was, it was a horror show is what it was. He started talking about hell, and the fires of hell. And the and the the flames of hell and 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 how long eternity is. And I'm sitting there, I've been in a Methodist church. They're nice. They don't talk about things that disturb you. And I am horrified. I, I can't believe my ears. And he said, eternity is forever and forever. I don't know why you have to say forever twice. Doesn't once cover it. But anyway, he always said it twice. Forever and forever. It's like, you just said that. Trying to make a point. He said, if you die without Christ, you will go to hell forever and forever. I'm like, oh God, I don't wanna go to hell. And he said, forever is like this pretend there's a little bird and this little bird is in North America and he's at the Atlantic ocean and he takes a dip of water out of the Atlantic ocean and he flies across the United States to the Pacific ocean and he dumps that drop of water in the Pacific ocean and then he flies back across the United States to the Atlantic ocean and he takes another beak full of water and he flies back to the Pacific Ocean and he drops that water in the Pacific Ocean and when that little bird and I'm feeling so sorry for the little bird I thought like, how could a bird do this he said when that little bird empties out the Atlantic Ocean and puts it all into the Pacific Ocean he said eternity has just begun I thought like, oh god I don't know I don't want to hear this I don't want to hear it that's a long time Me and the bird are both in lots of trouble. And then he said, And as the lightning shines from the east to the west, so shall be the coming of the Son of God. And if you're not ready, you will spend eternity in hell. And then he said, The trumpet will sound. And I didn't know any of this stuff. but I'm taking mental notes. I'm thinking, Oh, God, eternity is a long time. I'm going to hell, and, and, and but the lightning's going to shine, and the trumpet's going to sound. I literally got a few years older, and when it was time for us to join band, I played the trumpet. I did, <laughs> because I didn't know what a trumpet sounded like, and I wanted to know... For sure what a trumpet sounds like so that I know when the Lord's coming. Because I don't want to go to hell. I do not want to go to hell. So I I was getting desperate the older I got. I'd pray and pray, God save me. Lord save me. I don't want to go to hell. Don't come back. Please don't come back. I want to go to heaven eternity's a long time that bird's still fine it's it's this is a please Lord please please save me then I watched Christian television and I saw this man on Christian television and He said, uh, he was giving his salvation experience. He said, I uh, cried out to the Lord and the power of God came down on my head and went right through my body and right out of my feet and I was gloriously saved. And I thought, I've never been gloriously saved. I knew it. I knew I was going to hell. I've never felt power. I, I've never been gloriously saved. I don't think I've even been saved. But I haven't been gloriously saved. And that's what I need. I need to be gloriously saved. God gloriously save me. Please save me. I want to be saved. And I tell you the truth. In the middle of a night, one night. I'd been praying that way. I woke up wide awake, and my body was tingling all over. And the power of God hit my head. It went right through my body and right out my feet. And I thought, I just got gloriously saved. I'm gloriously saved. It happened. And I fell asleep with a smile on my face. I woke up the next morning. No tingling, no feeling. I didn't feel saved. I didn't look saved. I didn't think I was saved. I started praying to get God saved. I need to be saved. I can't be saved. I want to be saved. I thought I was gloriously saved. You know why that's a problem? You can't base your faith on a feeling. Because when the feeling's gone, the faith's gone. And I went right back to square one. We visited a church, and they had a salvation message because our church didn't preach preach it like that. So we went to this church and they preached on salvation and I went to the front. And I knelt and I wept and I cried. and I felt God. God had touched me. And and, uh, the pastor shook my hand. They congratulated me for being saved. And I left with that heavenly feeling. And it lasted for about three days. But after three days of feeling saved... It kind of went away. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you you have a fight with your sister, or, you know, yeah. you do something, you get in trouble, <laughs> put in your room, spanked, and it's like, I know I'm going to hell. I've got to be going to hell. I don't feel like I'm going to heaven. And the devil's there talking to you. You're, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Nobody that acts like you is going to go to heaven. <laughs> and I was agreeing with, I know, I know. I, I want to change, <laughs> I need to be saved. I tell you, I was out with one of my little friends and we were spending the night together on the the weekend. I'll never forget it. We were laying out on their back porch looking at the stars and I got spiritual. And I told my friend, Alan, I said, Alan, all I want is to go to heaven. I just want to know I'm saved. And I just don't know if I'm saved. But, oh, I want to know I'm saved. And Alan, with all the kindness that he had as a, Nine year old boy, he said, He said, Greg, now I'm not an expert in religion, but of all the people I know, you have to be saved. Surely, you're, I think you are saved. All my friends, you, you, you seem like the most saved one. And I said, Thank you, Alan. But I knew when I stood before God and said, God, Alan said I was saved, he'd say, You're going straight to hell. I'm not going to put you in heaven because of Alan. It just didn't give me any confidence. You know why? Because that's not where faith comes from. Faith doesn't come from the word of a person or a feeling or an experience. Man, I went to another church and I went to the altar, scared as I could be. I didn't want to go down. I was embarrassed, but they had an altar call and I went again. Same thing. I cried and I felt God. They congratulated me. Man, I must have gotten saved 50 times. Sent me home, and I thought, this was it. I got it this time. And it went three days, and feeling kind of went away. Just didn't have it. I called CBN on TV. I called and prayed over them. That didn't work. And I called PTL. Remember the PTL club? I called PTL. I snuck around. I didn't want anybody to see me, and I got the phone. I said, I want to get saved. And they said, pray this with me. It was 800 number. It was a free call, you know. And so I repeat a prayer, and, say, oh, okay. and I said, Okay, I don't want anybody to catch me. Didn't work. <laughs> then I went, my family went to a Billy Graham crusade. Are y'all okay? We, my family went to a Billy Graham. Remember those big crusades he had? I mean, thousands and thousands of people. We went, and he preached one of his classic salvation messages. I think it was 1971 or 72. No, it may have been later. Anyway, he preached one of his salvation messages, gave an altar call. And thousands of us, my whole family, my mom and dad my two sisters and myself, we all went down to the field. It was in a stadium. And, and we met with someone down there, and they prayed with us. And they gave us a little booklet. And we, and we all got back in the car. We had a two-hour drive to get home. And, and I literally said this. I said, y'all, y'all feel that peace? Feel pretty good, don't you? They said, oh, yeah. God saved us. I said, you better hope Jesus comes in three days because you're going to lose it in three days. This only lasts for three days, and it, oh, you're going to hell. You better hope to God that Jesus comes back. And sure enough, in three days, I lost it again. I go back to the drawing board. God save me. I don't want to go to hell. Please, Jesus, don't come. I'd heard preachers say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. And I'd say, no, don't come. I don't want to go to hell. So, about three months later, our phone rang. And I happened to be, it was just God. I happened to be home by the, this is before answer machines. Some of you don't even know that there was a time like that in, in the past where there was no voicemail. Those were the good old days. If somebody called you in those days and you didn't answer, it didn't count. There's, there's no missed calls. There's no evidence of it that it even happened. And so I'm just, I, it's the middle of the day. I'm in school. I don't know what I was doing at home. The phone rings in the kitchen, and it was it was when the phones were stuck on the wall. I know. Google it. You'll find it. Uh, And I'm old. So I grabbed the phone and I answered it. And And the voice on the other end said, is this Greg Fritz? I'm looking for Greg Fritz. I said, well, this is him. He said, well, I'm from the Billy Graham Crusade Evangelistic Association. And I see here that you went down front about three months ago and you got saved. How was it? Did you get saved? How is it being saved? Aren't you glad you got saved? And I said, it's a long story. But no, I'm not saved, and I don't think that I can be saved ever. But I don't want to go to hell. And man, this guy knew exactly what to do. Exactly. I think he'd been down this road before. He didn't even hesitate. He said, let me ask you a question. I said, okay. He said, if God said you were saved, would you believe God if God said you were saved? I said, sure. I mean, I've been waiting for something like that. I pray and listen. I'm looking, I, I'm, I'm looking for some kind of evidence. Some, if God like, appeared to me and said, you're saved, I would believe God. Yes. I said, yes, I would. He said, well, the Bible is God speaking. And I thought, <laughs> I'm going to get a sermon now. He said, the Bible's God speaking. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. He said, do you believe that? I said, of course I believe that. I've been believing that my whole life. I believe it. He said, well, then it goes on to say, and and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. He said, have you done that? I said, (laughs) Yes, I've done it. I did it at your crusade. I did it with CBN. I did it with BTL. I did it in the Baptist church. I did it in the Methodist church. I do it nearly every night at my bed. I said, yes, I've done that. Confessed Jesus as Lord. He said, then it goes on to say, you shall be saved. And he said, the Bible is God speaking. And if God says you're saved, you must be saved. And you know what I said? I literally said this. I said say that again. Tell, tell tell me tell me that again. He said the Bible is God speaking to you. And whatever God says is true. And the Bible says in Romans 10:9 that if you believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead. He said, do you believe that? I said, yes, I believe it. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, have you done that? I said, yes. He said, well, let's just do it right now. I said, well, let's just do it. Well, let's just do it right now. And so he led me in a simple prayer. And I confessed that Jesus was my Lord and that I believed that God raised him from the dead. And he said, amen. I said, amen. And he says, now the Bible says, if you do that, you shall be saved. And if God says you're saved, you must be saved. And I, I don't remember anything after that. I hung up the phone, and for the next three days, I walked around saying, I must be saved. God said, I'm saved. I must be saved. Now, I didn't have any more feelings. I didn't have any more goosebumps and power going through my body but I had a word I had a scripture and nothing will substitute for a scripture not not a preacher not, not not an experience not a feeling not the word of someone else nothing will take the place of that word and when that happened to me and I realized I'm saved because God said I'm saved I have never doubted it again. Now, I don't always feel saved. I don't always look saved. And I don't always act saved. I don't know you're surprised about that. But I could have the worst day on earth. And when I go home and lay my head down in my pillow, I know I'm saved. I would never say that I'm not saved or I'm going to hell. I don't believe that. Because my faith is not based on feelings anymore in the area of salvation. Now, when that happens in your life in other areas, that's faith. But to try to do that without a word is an impossible task. Get a word from God. Get a promise from God. Let it sink down. Man, I wish somebody had given me that word earlier. They could have saved me all those years of stress because faith in God's word will do for you what nothing else will do. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. I told you you may have to get the... Watch the, the recording, but let me give you these other points that I didn't get to how to release your faith number one find a promise in God's word that promise you the thing you need point number two release your faith through a word or a prayer or an act release it and what we do in this teaching is I use Mark eleven twenty four 24 to release your faith because you don't need anybody else to help you with that Mark 11:24 says, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it, and you shall have it. So we use that. You could use a laying on of hands service. You could use any number of things, anointing with oil. You could use that as a way to release your faith. But you need help with all those things. You don't need any help with this one. You don't need anybody else. You can do this yourself. Whatsoever things you desire... When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So you can make that prayer. And once you pray that prayer, you got to take the next step, which is believe you have received it. And that is what I was wanting to do this morning because that's so important. You can't just utter a prayer and go on. You have to believe that you receive when you pray. And a lot of Christians don't a lot of Christians do the whole they'll get right up to that point and then they'll check to see if they're any different and then they stop believing. I mean if it happened instantly they believe it but if it's not there, they stop believing or they might believe for a day or two and then they quit believing you've got to believe you receive that's why you need to let the word penetrate do your do your homework because you may have to believe for a while and you need to prepare yourself. Stand on the Word of God. Don't be half prepared. So you believe you receive when you pray. And then take your stand in faith by praise and confession. So they just, they go right one to another. Once you believe you receive, when you pray, the natural response is to say, thank you, Lord. You act like you have it. So you, you praise God, because that's what you would do if you had it. You thank God, you praise God, you give glory to God, and then you change your confession from then on. Like I did with salvation. Now, if you ask me if I'm saved, I don't say I'm whole. I hope so. I want to be. One day I will be. That's not faith. And I don't say that about salvation, because I have it. I am saved. Yes, I'm saved. I'm born again. Yes, my sins are forgiven. See, that's that's present tense. That's faith. Well, I sure hope so. Well, you ain't got it. One of these days, I'm going to get it. That's not faith. You believe you receive, and then you take your stand in faith by praise and confession. And I don't have time to teach on that, but that's why I said that, that the, one of the next series is, is saying what God says, and it shows you how to, how to make your confession and how to change your vocabulary to match your faith. It's very important. You can't just undermine your faith with your confession and expect it to work. It's like digging up the seed. Did you get anything out of that? Hallelujah. Can we thank God for just a moment? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. We're so grateful for your kingdom, for your word. Thank you for making things simple so that we can put them into practice immediately. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, I have got to do this. Would you bow your heads with me? Please bow your heads. I told you my story, and I really didn't embellish that story. <laughs> I lived it. It was, It really was true about my search for salvation. And it didn't have to be that hard. I just didn't understand. But ever since that time, I have helped many, many people come to the assurance of their salvation. I can do that. Why? Because I came to the assurance. I know how I did it. You can do the same thing. So if you're here, you might be like I was. Maybe you've prayed and you've had an experience with God or experiences with God. But right now, if if I said, are you saved? You just wouldn't know for sure because you don't really feel saved and you don't really have that confidence That if you died right now, you'd go to heaven. If that's you, I can help you. And I want to pray for you. I can help you like that counselor from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association helped me. And I've been doing it ever since. It's such a blessing to be able to. You don't have to go to bed at night and wonder if you should die before you wake. If you would go to heaven or not. You can know that heaven is your eternal if I'm talking to you would you lift your hand and say I need that I need that prayer I need that assurance thank you are there others so I just don't have that assurance I want to know I'm saved I want to know I'm right with God maybe you've done things and you just can't forgive yourself and you don't think God can forgive you let me tell you he already has you are holding things against yourself for no reason except God's forgiveness amen anyone else you say I need that I want that assurance I don't want to leave here today this really is the most important part of faith that there is if you don't believe for anything else make sure you believe for salvation would you do this with me I'm gonna I'm gonna just lead you in a prayer like he led me in a prayer the Bible says that if if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead do you believe that he died for your sins and God raised him from the dead. what's important about that is this If, and he did, if he died for our sins and he's still dead, then the price wasn't paid. But if he died for our sins and he's alive, then the price must be paid or he wouldn't be alive. I mean, if the wages of sin is death and Jesus is accepting that, then the fact that he's alive today means that sin has been removed. Isn't that powerful? So he did what he did. Then the second step is you confess Jesus as Lord of your life. You see, it's true he died for the world, but the only people who receive what he did, it doesn't happen automatically, are those who confess his lordship in their life. And that's how simple it is. You confess that and then you, ex- you receive what he did for you. It's as simple as that and that's one of the reasons it's it's so difficult for some people like me to get is it's so simple you just think surely that didn't just happen and that, that's so simple but the illustration i gave was when I walked down the aisle and stood before a preacher and he asked me, do you take this woman to be your wife? And I said, I do. That was pretty simple, but it changed my life. So words matter. When you accept Jesus Lord of your life, it means something in heaven and hell and on earth. It means no matter how simple it is. If you mean it, then it works. Are you ready? Let's pray with it. Can you do this? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died for me and that God raised you from the dead. You're alive today and I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus Jesus, you're my Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Woo! That makes me happy. Happy, happy, happy. Amen. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Thank you for being sensitive to the things of God. You know, I believe I was saved all that time, and and she might have already been saved, but I don't care. I'll pray with somebody as many times as they need to, to get the assurance of their salvation. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.